0: Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. Shift Happens podcast. From natural disaster recovery to COVID-19 vaccination sites, there's no shortage of work for Team Rubicon, a nonprofit that relies on military veterans and civilian volunteers to help with relief efforts worldwide. But it takes more than just muscle. The organization relies on strong collaboration in Microsoft 365 to delegate tasks and complete important projects, and its strategies varies based on the job at hand. I'm proud today to speak with Scott Martin, Senior Technology Manager at Team Rubicon, to learn how the organization has digitally evolved to do what it does best, serving people in need. Let's roll up our sleeves and get to work.
1: Chef Podcast.
0: Welcome back to Shift Happens Podcast. I'm your host, Dux Raymond Sai, Chief Brand Officer here at AppPoint, Microsoft Regional Director and MVP. For today's episode, I'm joined by Scott Martin, Senior Technology Leader with Team Rubicon. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, Dux. Happy to be here. Boy, I've read a lot about what Team Rubicon has done the past couple of years. Just amazing work. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey to Team Rubicon uh, for our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think I have kind of a non-standard journey to Team Rubicon, I guess. You know, most of our our volunteers and um staff and and volunteer leaders are are veterans. That's a big uh part of kind of our identity. Um I was actually I'm a civilian and I was a theater major in college and moved to Los Angeles to direct plays and kind of start my own theater company. And then I turned 30 and realized that you know, I hadn't really made the progress that I was hoping to in that career path and uh, if I wanted to be uh, kind of financially stable, I would probably have to re-examine things. And so I, I uh, was working at UCLA at the time, working in fundraising, uh, quit my job and went to a software development boot camp uh, for about four months and came out the other side of that, started looking for work, found a, a position here at Team Rubicon as a full stack developer. Full credit to Raj, the CIO, for taking a chance on a theater major with four years of, or four months of coding experience, excuse me. And yeah, joined the team, was a full stack for about a year and a half, and then got moved to a, a manager position of the development team. And then from there became the, the senior manager for the tech team. Um, so it's been a, a wild journey, but it's, it's been really rewarding and a lot of fun. I'm sure, and
0: I'm sure later we can talk more about this. I'm sure your theater background in some ways has helped you also in other aspects of your job and your role. So so you talk about volunteers and uh, veterans. Can you tell everybody the core mission of Team Rubicon, how big the organization is, the kind of work that you all do?
1: Yeah, so Team Rubicon serves communities by mobilizing veterans to continue their service, leveraging their skills and experience to help people prepare, respond, and recover from disasters and humanitarian crises. Uh, So that's really what we're about. We're uh, human-focused. We're here to try to make the world a better place, try to help people on their worst day or prepare for that worst day. Uh, and we do that primarily through the the skills and experience of veterans.
0: And, and how do you get matched with veterans? And how do you pair them with the appropriate people who need help or whatever project or mission that they need to do?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we really it's it's kind of two phases. We're we're pretty big into recruiting and and marketing ourselves to veterans, um, but anyone can join. I feel like I should say that as a civilian myself. You know, we're not we're not veteran exclusive. We just happen to be made up largely of veterans. But so they, they sign up with us, they register, they go through online trainings, uh, in-person trainings to improve their skills and kind of get the skills for the capabilities that we try to deliver. And then from there, you know, when a disaster happens or uh, if we identify something in a local community where we think, oh, we could go help, we work with that community to identify a need to go in, uh, deploy an operation, as we say, and then uh, we get volunteers who are already registered. Uh, we find out their availability and then. Uh, dispatch them to the operation. Sounds like
0: obviously a lot of veterans and certainly civilians can be uh, involved with this. So, but it sounds like a lot of veterans are are more than willing to participate. Essentially, continuing what they've done while they were in service. Would you say there are certain set of qualities uh, that volunteers bring to the table as they uh, work with Team Rubicon?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, especially our veteran volunteers. Like, obviously, they they've gone through. A great deal of training and, and many of them have lived through some really harrowing and, and high stress situations that as a civilian I, I have really no context for. Um, and I think that's what makes them really uniquely suited for disaster response that they, they can go into you know a, a town that's been hit by a tornado or a city that's been wrecked by a hurricane and it doesn't really phase them. Uh, I think they feel the impact of it, but they see that as as an opportunity to serve and an opportunity to help people. You know, one of our core values is get shit done. Uh, And I think that that echoes with a lot of our volunteers and, and especially the veterans of, you know, when there's, when there's something that needs doing, they want to be the ones to do it. And I think that that speaks to kind of the core of, of what makes our volunteers uh, suited for the work that we do.
0: I mean, that's fantastic. And I'm sure, especially for you coming from the technology side of the house, being able to equip them with appropriate tools and technology so they can be uh, at their best when they're doing their service is critical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what we try to do. Um, you know, We on the tech team see ourselves as, as customer service focused and and here to support the mission and, and the people who are, are doing the work that are making a difference out there in the world. So
0: you talk about uh, a lot of volunteers getting involved and helping out. With disasters, I've read a lot about your work, especially with major hurricanes or major catastrophes. I'm sure recently in Texas, Team Rubicon was out there as well. What are some of the examples or stories you can share, and how technology helped a lot, especially in mobilizing the team, in providing help, in delivering services to those affected?
1: Yeah, that's something we really try to try to do every day on the tech team. You know, in 2017 when Hurricane Harvey hit, that really pushed our current systems to the limit. Uh, and to some extent broke them, and it really was. It came down to just pure human power and work ethic that, like, we were able to be successful with our operation, uh, hard hustle in uh, in Houston. And you know that was actually kind of coincidentally the same time that our our CIO Raj joined the team. And so you know he was coming in with fresh eyes and and saw the strain that our systems were putting on our our volunteer leaders and our. Uh, mobilization team to just get people in and get them out to kind of where they can make an impact. And so that that led to a a many years process that we've been going through of a digital transformation to really overhaul how we register people, how we do event management, how we do operations management, uh, how we do planning, mobilization, all of that. So, um, you know, we we spent a number of months building out what we're calling the enterprise management system, which is a Dynamics 365 kind of CRM that's been customized to our needs. And that's gone through a lot of different changes, a lot of different iterations. And actually when, when COVID first happened, you know, that took our core model of going out and helping people and trying to, to go to a location and help. Um, and it, it turned it on its head in a way where we couldn't just send people out. You know, we couldn't take people from LA County and send them to Texas. We had to be a lot more focused on, okay, where are you from? What kind of impact can you have there? Uh, and it really pushed us to continue to work with local organizations, local communities and say, okay, where can we help? And so we got involved with testing sites. We got involved with food banks and food supportive services. And I think it's it's been a group effort and a joint effort across our organization to look at our systems and look at the tools we had built and say, okay, this doesn't quite work anymore. We need to change it. We need to iterate. And we really try to be that agile organization, especially on the tech team. We have to be agile and be able to respond and, and adapt to what we thought would work for yesterday and, and make it work for what we're trying to do tomorrow. And then talk about constant innovation, right? Because there's multi-layers to what you all do. First,
0: what you describe: make sure that all the systems are ready, being more proactive, being able to register and make sure that uh, all the relevant information are there. But when things happen like the pandemic or a hurricane, boots on the ground, they need technology too to communicate, to interact, to collaborate. What does that look like? And I'm sure mobile plays a huge part of that too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for us, Microsoft Teams has been pretty huge for the collaboration. March, I think March 12th is when it was announced that we were going to be working remote for the foreseeable future. And March 13th, we held a presentation of like, okay, how do you work remote and what does that look like? And then you're you're totally correct that you know our volunteer leaders who are really the the backbone of what goes on uh, on the ground and the CNG staff, the Command and General Staff who are running our operations and and overseeing on the site. We have to build our systems with with kind of that in mind of someone who's you know they have a day job, they have something they do nine to five, and they're going to dedicate their nights and weekends to us. We have to try to build something that is uh, usable for them. Uh, something that's usable often in low connectivity uh something that can still function in those situations, and something that uh is gonna give them the information they need and empower them to do their job without actually creating more hurdles or anything like that and and so really, we try to you know deploy our our analysts and our developers to the field as much as possible just to be there and and hearing what's going on and hearing the pain points and you know we we have to be a very um self reflective team or a team that kind of we have no ego. We're very humble. we know we can always make it better, and, and we have to listen to the people who are using the tools to understand how we can do that. I mean, what, what you describe, right? It's not just unique to the kind of organization you are, but it's typical
0: across IT in general, regardless what organization or what size you are. There's always this stereotype that IT you know sits in their corner office or their back room doesn't know what reality is. They deploy technology while they think it's cool, while they think the features are great, but it doesn't meet the needs or it's not as usable as uh, people think it is. And that's, that's why I love cloud technologies because now I don't have to deal with patching servers every Tuesday. And I can focus more around really partnering with my customers or with the business or with help fulfilling the mission and understanding um, how we can address that. So, so when you met with your customers or folks that are uh, on the ground, what any any assumptions that you had changed, or any thinking that you had prior to doing so shifted?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the first things that when I when I came on, one of the big pushes was to really try and standardize um, how certain jobs were done across the country. So, to give kind of a bit more of a picture of our our organizational structure, right? We have the kind of staff and the the employees that what we used to call the national level. Um, but then down from there, we would have, uh, we now have branches. So we have, uh, North East or west, and South branches, um, which cover territories, which then kind of breaks down into FEMA regions. And then that breaks down into States and then metros, which is, you know, how we kind of go from, uh, I don't want to say top to bottom, but just from the the bigger picture to the, the more micro focused picture. um, and we really had talked a lot about, okay, you know, if you're a volunteer leader with a comms focus, you should do your job the same way that someone does on the East Coast, even if you're on the West Coast. And I think that's still true. And that is still something that we're pushing for. But I remember a conversation with someone in Utah who she was a leader up in Washington. And she said, you know, my my Sawyer kit, right? The, the kits I need for my chainsaws is different for me than someone in Florida. Like I deal with fire mitigation. I deal with things that they don't have to worry about. So my my tech kit or my my Sawyer kit should look different than, than what theirs should. And that was a, a really um, impactful moment for me. I mean, I think it's something that maybe seems really obvious and it seems so small, but it's something that I think about a lot of, you know, yeah, the core of the job should be the same or the tools of the job should be the same, but how it's done or, or, the nuances of it can change whether you're in uh, Washington, whether you're in Nevada, whether you're in Florida. And so that for me is, is something I've carried with me a lot of trying to keep in mind that, you know, the tools we build, they have to work on that big level, but they also have to be usable by anyone in a number of different situations. And they have to really be flexible in that sense.
0: No, that's great. It's, it's definitely not a one size fits all. And that's one of the things like going back to Microsoft 365 is, is something I really like, right? Because oftentimes People, or especially IT, have this mindset, especially old school IT, saying, why do we need Planner and Teams and, and, and Power Automate? Why don't we just use SharePoint? SharePoint can do it all. Well, no, not really. And that's why Microsoft opened their eyes and expanded their portfolio of technologies because you consider the situation, the context, the industry, and, and frankly, even the generation, right? There are certain set of generation, the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, are comfortable with chatting, doing calls with videos, but there are certain generations in the workplace or in organizations like yours that still likes their email, and that's okay, right? So being able to provide uh, a base set of capabilities or solution, but at the same time, being able to tailor it to local needs is very critical or departmental needs uh, in in some cases.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's something that we've because we part of the digital transformation was going from you know we were using Box and then we had to get over to OneDrive and SharePoint and that was a huge effort, right? To go from something that's like kind of, and and we weren't exactly using Box in the most efficient way. It was kind of just a dumping ground with permissions all over the place. But even just taking like okay you have a single file repository or a single storage location and now we're going into something that okay you have your personal space and then you also have more of a team space and and an intranet space. It took. A lot of work and really, you know, again, it comes back to we had to find a solution that worked for our planning team, a solution that worked for a mobilization team, and then also a solution that worked for a finance team. And those are three very different things. And SharePoint and, and OneDrive let us do that to a large degree.
0: So we're more than a year in the pandemic, and certainly people are used to using some of these technologies already. What's the feedback thus far? Are people liking it or are there still... People are trying to figure it out, how they can take advantage of these cloud technologies. Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make shift happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it seems like everybody's liking it, but maybe they're just really nice to me and they don't want to tell me the the hard truths. I like to think that we're we're through a lot of the growing pains and you know I think the biggest challenge we faced with digital transformation especially with teams adoption we were still you know if i had to to try to quantify it before the pandemic and before we went remote we were like really 80% in slack and 20% in teams and for video calls we used uh, blue jeans and so we weren't even really setting teams meetings as the the default video call and that had a lot to do with at our Our office locations, we had the VTC setups configured for blue jeans. And so it just made the most sense to just continue using blue jeans. And so the pandemic, I mean, it's been, it's had such an impact for so many people and it's been a really rough year. But I think this is one of those things that it forced our hand in a way. And we kind of said, okay, you know, from a leadership perspective, everything we're doing now for COVID 19, all communication around COVID 19 all the new, the new kind of org structure that came from that, like literally over a weekend, they shifted things around and reprioritized people. Uh, they said, all of this is going in teams. And so we went from 80% Slack, 20% teams to really, you know, 50-50 for a week. And then it just teams kept going up and up and Slack kept going down and down. And then we as an IT team had to really kind of, you know, get our our stuff together and say, okay, we got to get off Slack as quick as possible. And that was its own challenge. But I think it, you know, the the biggest frustration point I think really came when we straddled that line. And so I think if I learned anything from it, it's, you know, change management is important. You can't do anything too quickly, but in those situations that at some point you just have to cut over, you just have to get out of one system and be in the other, and that'll reduce, you know, a thousand pain points just right there.
0: And that's been the the common struggle with a lot of organizations frankly when technology gets introduced, right? The common feedback, what? Another tool? I mean, I've got all this stuff. That's why I'm just going back to email. If you introduce something new, take old stuff away. People always ask me, how do you get people off of file shares, for example? Kill it, right? If you want people to use OneDrive SharePoint, get rid of it. And and that's critical. Now, when we look at the future, right? I know right now we have a, a great effort on vaccine distribution. I know Team Rubicon is front and center on that. Can you talk about the Veterans Coalition and uh, what are you all doing around that and how technology is helping?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and this is a funny, funny story. I think I think it speaks a lot to kind of Team Rubicon and how we do things. So my my wife gave birth to our, our first child in December on December 7th. And so I actually went on paternity leave that day and and came back um, like eight weeks later. And all of a sudden this Veterans Coalition for Vaccines was stood up and, you know, this whole initiative, it was like, it wasn't just like, oh, we're in the process of this. It was like out the door going to launch. And, you know, that alone, I think just speaks a lot to how quickly we as an organization tend to see a need and try to fill it. And yeah, so the Veterans uh, Coalition, um, you know, is really an effort from Team Rubicon and our, our partners to get the communities and really our society up to, uh, that herd immunity level and really, you know, help people alleviate the, the feelings of, you know, skepticism or, um, you know, distrust of the vaccine. That's a big part of it is just to say, you know, we're all in this together. Let's take our shot, get us there. Um, and the other big part of it is, you know, the secondary goal is, is to really, um, help push for the diversity in the vaccine recipients, so we w- really want to identify those underserved communities, you know, the minority communities, the ones who they can't just drive 30 minutes to CVS or they can't go to Walgreens or something like that. And so we're we're looking now at at mobile vaccine sites and mobile vaccine capabilities to try and go to them to cover that. And And really what it comes down to is, you know, we see the ability for veterans to serve and we want to help them get out there and support the people who are delivering the vaccine because you know, if a doctor has to sit there and, and administer a vaccine to someone and then turn around and do a pile of paperwork, that's that many less vaccines they can do. Uh, so if our veterans, if our volunteers, or if any uh, veterans can get out there and, and support the work that these doctors and nurses are doing, we want to be a part of that and help get them out to the field. So, you know, the VCV was also kind of an extension of of something we had been talking about for a while, which was the idea of getting volunteers out to the field with us who weren't necessarily a gray shirt, right? So all our, our team Rubicon volunteers are gray shirts. It's our uniform. And that kind of creates a bit of a barrier of before you can go out to the field with us, you have to register and go through a background check and, and go through some initial training before you're deployable. And what we said with external volunteers was, okay, let's, let's create a pathway where, you know, someone from like Mercy Corps, could say, you know what, I want to get a group of people together and go work with Team Rubicon for a day that they could all sign up, go through the portal, and just, you know, give us bare minimum email, get out the door, um, and go register and and volunteer with us for a day. Uh, and so that's really kind of the the expansion of that is now we're saying, okay, you know, if you're a veteran, if you work with one of our partners, just, you know, go through this portal, get out there, get involved. You don't need to become a gray shirt like you don't have to commit to us. We just want to get you out there to the field.
0: That's awesome. And how um, how are things going so far with uh, the Veterans Coalition?
1: Uh, so far, they're going great. We have, you know, I think uh, over thirty vaccine sites that we're we're participating in. Just in our in our vaccine ops alone. Let me see if I can find the the last number here because it's always <laughs> it's always changing. You know, we've given we've we've supported at least the administer of of over seven hundred thousand vaccines. It's uh it's just uh it's a, an awesome an awesome thing to to see happen, and to say that my team was, you know, in support of it and help make it happen is is just the best feeling.
0: No, that's that's truly amazing, and and with, this is just one of the many things you all do. And knock on wood, nobody wants a disaster, nobody wants a humanitarian crisis. But it's great to know, in addition to a lot of the other organizations out there, Team Rubicon supporting. I mean, Scott, it's it's an awesome conversation. Uh, Before we wrap up, what advice would you give other groups or nonprofits similar to yourself wanting to maximize technology, especially uh, working with internal people and volunteers and other organizations? How can they be successful at this as they think about leveraging technology in support of the mission of their organization?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's something that we struggle with every day or that we ask ourselves every day on the tech team. And I have to credit the, our CIO, Raj, for kind of being the the thought leader in this. But, you know, from my first day on the job to literally two days ago, this, he says the same thing to me every time. You have to understand the business, right? You have to understand the needs of the people who are going to be using the technology. And so, again, that goes back to me gaining that understanding of, you know, somebody who's a, a Sawyer in the Northwest has different needs and is going to be put in different situations than someone who is a Sawyer in Florida. It's understanding the business and not just the the strategy of it, not just the the overarching vision or the mission, but like day to day, what are the pain points? What are people coming up against? And that just, I think that comes down to the same thing that, that has made organizations successful or not over the last year. And it, well, at least I can say, I think it's what made us successful, which is communication, constant, constant communication internally, externally, talking, listening, trying to really understand what people are going through and, and making them feel like if they voice their concerns or they voice their issues, that you're going to hear it, you know, take it in and do what you can to, to get to yes is what we say, right? Maybe it's a no, but let's find a way to get to yes. And if you can't, then we really try to always articulate exactly why we can't do something or why you know, that's not possible. And we try to find a workaround or some other solution. So I think that was maybe a, a roundabout way of, of really just saying you have to understand the business if you want to make technology successful for your, your company or your organization.
0: That's awesome. Also goes to show that at the end of the day, as technologists, while we love technology, it's not about the technology, right? It's about supporting the mission, supporting the business and enabling our customers to be successful.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's so true you know we love all the tools we love all the different things we can do but if it doesn't make someone's day better or easier especially if that someone is a volunteer leader who like i said they're working 9 to 5 you know maybe 9 to 8 and they want to spend their free time with us if we're rolling out tools or or setting them up in a situation where we just give them more headaches there's a really good chance that they're going to they're going to say you know what this isn't for me anymore and that's that's a miss on our part so that's really the the Constant reminder that we have to give ourselves at least a team Rubicon.
0: Awesome. Well, Scott, for our listeners out there who may want to find out and learn more about Team Rubicon or, or sign up as a volunteer, where can they go?
1: Yeah, uh, you can go to teamrubiconusa.org. That's our our main website. You can learn more about us, you can check it out, and uh, yeah, sign up, come join us. Like I said, it's you know, we're veteran focused, but we are not veteran exclusive. I'm a civilian, I'm registered as a volunteer, and uh, you know, hopefully see you out in the field.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you for your insights. And thank you everybody for listening in to another episode of Shift Happens. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about it. Until the next episode, everyone stay safe, wear your mask, and if you get the chance, make sure you get vaccinated. Thanks again. Shift Happens Podcast. Thanks for listening. When it comes to nonprofit or volunteer work, every second and every dollar counts. That's why it's so important to have a digital strategy that keeps flexibility, user experience, and collaboration top of mind. I'm inspired by the amazing work of Team Rubicon and their smart organizational approach. By using Dynamics 365 and Microsoft Teams effectively, they can quickly deploy resources when the unthinkable strikes. Whatever your business, I encourage you to follow the Team Rubicon approach. Field test your new technology and always ask for user feedback. Also, be sure to take time to help others in your community and remember to say thank you to the veterans in your life. If you like today's episode, please leave a review for the Shift Happens podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen. We'll see you next time. Shift Happens Podcast. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AdPoint Inc. Produced and edited by the AdPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting AppPoint.com.